Steve, we're back, and I don't want to excessively use the amount of puns, but we have a lot of super. We have we have a super show today. We certainly do. Or or a, what? What's the what? The big game is the is the people who advertise around the big game but can't call it the Super Bowl right. say. We have a good show today. This is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Steve. Steve, we've got on the show Rich Russo, who works for Fox Sports and has directed four Super Bowls, including last year's Super Bowl. Um, it's an excellent interview. He is a 1984 grad, and he also played lacrosse for four years. And he's, It's a very good interview, a very insightful interview about what he does, what it's like to to direct a Super Bowl and what you know, or even just an NFL game, that's a very good interview. Um, then we've got some prop bets because it's the Super Bowl, and <laughs> most of them, I would say, about like seventy percent of them are sports media related. So I'm excited about that. And then our old guy, young guy, also Super Bowl themed, but we'll save that for later. So it's so, a super show, certainly. It's it's a super show. So go ahead, enjoy this interview with Rich, and we'll be back after this. Steve, you texted me out of the clear blue the other evening with with a very special guest, especially for this week, and and this is a good guest, and this is, I want to say this is clutch booking by you, Steve Samsel. (laughs) Our guest this week is Rich Russo, who is a game director for Fox. He has done four Super Bowls, correct, Rich? Four directing, yes. I've worked uh, four directing and total in different capacities. I think it's 15 total, wow. but yes, four directing. And more importantly, he's a 1984 grad and he was on the, he was a four year letter winner on the cross team. I did a little, little internet search on you. Very in with the snooping. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rich, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Thank you for joining us. Are you less stressed this week? now because the games you don't you don't have to worry about the game this weekend you know i gotta be i gotta be honest with you i boy if it was up to me i i would love to do the game every year you know but obviously it's you know rotates every three years so i you know obviously cbs has it you know this year um you know this is obviously it's been a challenging year with the pandemic so it's obviously going to be you know different different for them it's obviously been a different uh, year for all of us um, but you know, I, I root for them. I know all the, you know, the, the producers and directors from, from the different networks who, who are doing the game and I, and I wish them nothing but the best. I'm sure they'll do, they'll all do a great job. So for those people that don't know, what the heck is a game director and what do they do during a game? Great question. Well, what, what my responsibilities are is I'm responsible during the three and a half hours of a game responsible for the visuals from getting the viewer from point A to point B from setting up all the camera shots um, from coming up with a a camera, what's called a camera isolation plan. Uh, You know, what cameras will shoot, what players, what's based on what situations. Um, And I, the director is basically responsible for, for the visuals, as I said, whether it's the live cameras, um, whether it's putting the graphics in, whether it's working with the producer, uh, with the replays, um, working with a producer, working with a technical director, uh, next to me. And really it's, it's an entire team. I mean, with all the camera operators, all the EVS operators, all our production people, 
uh, our, our technical people, audio, video, it's, 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 you know, I'm responsible for, for, for the entire team. Um, yeah. But that's it in its simplistic form is the visuals that you see during the course of the game. Would a viewer know if you had a good game or a bad game? Like, unless, unless there was a, would have you, unless there was some big something, otherwise would a viewer know if you had a good or a bad game to your standard? Ho hopefully, and, I'll, and Steve, I'll be honest with you. You know, I, you never, I never leave saying, boy, we had the perfect broadcast. I mean, I always say we could do this better, do that a little better. Um, but hopefully anything that I think we could do better is blind to the viewer, you know, and maybe, and the viewer doesn't know. I mean, obviously you want to capture all the big moments. You want to capture all the big replays. You don't want to miss anything. Um, you know, you it's all about timing. It's all about pacing. You want to be able to follow the announcers. I work with, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Uh, this is uh, my 11th year now with them and Aaron Andrews. Um, so we want to be able to support them uh, as best we can visually because um, that's what really it's all about. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully, and I get texts from people, you know, uh, which is kind of funny, which I, I encourage, you know, things you don't like, things you like, because uh, ultimately the reality of it is, is sometimes when you're doing a game, you know, the pace is very quick. You go play to play to play, and sometimes you need to take a step back and look at the big picture uh, as to what's important in this particular, you know, specific game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully – any mistakes or, or blind to the viewer and, and, and just different things that, that I can do each week and just to, to better ourselves. So let's, let's back up here a little bit, Rich, cause I'm, I'm looking at your, your resume here, basically on Fox oh Sports and, and, and there's, there's a lot of interesting games here. Um, you've worked with a lot of cool people over the years. How, how do you kind of get what, you know, what briefly, what was your path to kind of, you know, becoming a Super Bowl direct game director for Fox. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I was always, you know, I played lacrosse at Penn State. I was a big sports, uh, sports person my entire life from playing sports to being a big fan, you know, and at Penn State, um, you know, I studied communications and broadcasting, um, uh, but didn't know exactly what avenue I wanted to take when I was in school or even right when I got out of school. Um, but I knew it was in sports. I was thinking it could be for a league, maybe it could be for a team. And I knew I liked the television aspect of it. And I worked at CBS when I first came, when I first got out of college. And long story short, I got a, I, my first job was with an ad agency, which I knew I didn't want to do, but I was working at CBS on weekends as a researcher, as a chief researcher, just with information, um, helping a guy like Jim Nance was in the studio at that time, was doing the college uh, football report. Um, but anyway, I would feed them information. One thing led to another and I was assigned to work with Pat Summerall, John Madden. And it was at that point with Bob Stanner and Sandy Grossman, who are legendary producer director team. And I just, you know, kept my head down and worked hard, worked my butt off, learned a lot. I said, boy, here I am working with Pat and John and, and Bob and Sandy. I better not screw this up because this is a heck of an opportunity, <laughs> heck of an opportunity. And I just happened to be assigned, you know, that, that group. And I got a full-time job at CBS, left the ad agency. But I watched what Sandy did and as a director and how he would shape a broadcast. And I had no idea if I would ever become or have an opportunity to direct. Um, but I saw what he did, how he shaped a broadcast, how he worked with John, 
and Pat and how the group worked and how much it was like a team. It was like playing sports. Um, and from that moment on, I really said, you know, I think this is the avenue I want to take if I get that opportunity. And that was really, you know, my first thought. And then I went to Fox in 94 when, when, when Fox got football. And one thing led to another. And I, I won't bore you with all this, but I, I you know, I started, uh, I produced some NFL for two, three years and directed and did some college football. And there was an opening for the league game at Fox. And this was about 11 years ago and got the opportunity and got promoted to that, to that spot. So it was really at CBS when I was working with, with, with Pat and John and Bob and Sandy that I really said, well, this is what I want to do is, is to direct. Is there a, you compared it to, to, to sports a little bit. Is there a feeling indirecting when it goes well or when the team performs well that's in anywhere comparable to when you were an athlete and competed? I think there's no question. I think that, you know, we're all competitive. Listen, we, we all want to put on the best possible broadcast. Um, and we're there to document, you know, to tell stories, to, to, to make sure we get those great pictures on television. And a lot of times, you know, the hardest time, the hardest thing is to cover a blowout in a sense, because when you have a close game and a tight game, I mean, you want to have all the definitive looks, all the definitive replays. You want to do what you do every week. But in that situation, the game can kind of come to you. I think when you have a blowout and you have different stories, things you want to get in, uh, that's when it becomes, you know, when it becomes a little bit different. But sure, I think we all as a group, you know, feel when we have a good broadcast, um, you know, and there are times when I go back and I'll, I listen, I'll always watch our games, you know, especially the NFL. And, and you know, you, you look at the games and you say, hey, boy, you know, we did this well, did this well. Maybe we could have done this a little better. Um, and that's all part of it. It's just like playing. You know, it's really the same. You know, it's the same thing as, as playing. And you always self-scout. I mean, even Troy talks about that. You know, you just always want to, you know, self-scout and, and just better yourself uh, each week. That's interesting. Um so kind of a two-part question here. How different is a Super Bowl versus a regular NFL Sunday, if there is such a thing? And kind of – I'll save my second question. Go ahead go ahead and answer that one. Well, I'd be lying to you if I told you the Super Bowl is just another game. Mm -hmm. We're fortunate to do big games every week. So, you know, we've done we, – the last three years we've done the Thursday games and also we do the Sunday doubleheader games. But we also – we do the big Sunday games – every week. So we're definitely fortunate to do those big games every week. And obviously as the season gets later and later, the games become bigger and bigger. You get to the playoffs, the wild card, the divisional championship game. But the Super Bowl takes just the life of its own because it's such an event because it's two weeks, you know, leading up to this enormous, this enormous game that, you know, you're going to have over hundred million people watching and, you know, the championship, I think last week, for example, was about 50 million people, you know, and, and, and they'll probably double that, you know, this week. And, and that's what we've done. So, um, so you can't, you can't like overload with all the information. You got to do what you've been doing all year in a sense. I mean, you know, the, the week before, you know, we'll watch a lot of games, we'll watch games and tape and, you know, the team, especially in a Super Bowl, especially say it's the AFC team that maybe we haven't seen that much, mm. you know, um, and I'll spend, I mentioned that the camera charts, the camera isolations that I, that I do, I'll spend like the week doing a lot of that stuff, a lot of that work. Um, but it definitely takes a, a life of its own. I mean, when, once you get there, you know, the, the, the week before you can kind of take a step back and, 
and you can just do some of the some of the things that you need to do. Um, and then when you get there, you know, you get there, you're meeting with the teams. We're, we're at the site, you know, at the trucks, just going through all the extra camera, all the extra cameras, all the extra equipment. So there's a lot of, a lot of entities, you know, that, that are involved. I think what helps, what, what helped me out, I know I mentioned to you before that I, that I worked 15 Super Bowls in some capacities. Being there in whatever capacity it was helped me just because you see the rehearsals, you see the enormity of the event. Um, even when I was directing the international feed for five or six years, you, you see how everything really works. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, if it's your first time there, it could be pretty overwhelming. But having worked in, in those different capacities, I think helped me, especially when I directed my, my first Super Bowl directing was 45 was the one in Dallas. So, but it's, it's no question it's different. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like any, you know, just any given Sunday. But I will say this, when that Sunday comes and that ball is kicked, uh, you do have to treat it like a football game. That's you know, with all the extra equipment um, that we add, and, and we add the extra equipment, we, we usually will build up to the Super Bowl. You have to treat it like a, game, a football game, and you have to be comfortable with all the extra equipment. You can't go into a game of that magnitude just overwhelmed with, oh, shoot, where's, you know, where's this, where's that, where's that? You, you have to be in complete control and be comfortable with all the extra equipment that, that is added, if that makes sense. That, that's interesting because I feel like that is something that every player says. You know, once the ball is kicked, the, you treat it like any other game. It's, it doesn't matter what it is. So that's, that's, and, that's interesting you say that. And, and I think if, like, you're an announcer too, I mean, you, you can have information overload. I think you probably ask any announcer – who is doing the game is, you know, you can read so much about these teams, um, you know, all week, but, you know, the punters, you know, grandmother, you know, is not going to be important necessarily, <laughs> you know, you, you, it could be information overload. And I think the ultimate, and I think that's one thing that we really stress. And, and I go back that I've learned this from, from Pat and John and Bob and Sandy. Ultimately it's really about the game. It's about what's in front of you. It's about covering the game and covering the, the best of our ability. And we do this every Sunday. So I think in some ways when you have a game of that magnitude, I'm sure the announcers will tell you this. And I think I would tell you this too. Matter of fact, I know I, I would tell you this. When that ball's kicked, you almost have to tell yourself to slow down a little bit. To just, you know, you don't have to use every single camera all the time. You know, you, you just have to slow down and just know that you're going to use certain cameras at certain times, at certain situations, if that certain situations arise, whether they're live shots, whether they're replays, whatever they happen to be. So that's, uh, but I'll tell you, when the teams come down that tunnel, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, there's an adrenaline rush for all of us. That's cool. There's no, no question about it. That's really cool. In terms of those bells and whistles, Rich, or those extra cameras, like, do the numbers change like from, from just getting into the weeds a little bit, right? Like, you know, what camera shot is what during the week. So you have more numbers and things to play with. And then do you get to a broad, do you go into a broadcast saying we want to try to use this or do you kick yourself after that? We didn't use this at the end of a game. I think you have to have a good plan. I think what we do is a Super Bowl year, for example, we'll build during the playoffs. So we'll build some cameras like in the wild card game in the divisional game in the championship game. Now you're never going to mimic a Super Bowl just because of sheer budget and sheer money, but your base of what we're going to use and, and our coverage um, 
we will add accordingly. But, you know, we, we will add down the sideline cameras. We'll add some extra goal line cameras. Um, you know, we'll add handhelds for some bench reaction type cameras. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we have additional pylon cameras. Um, so I think the big thing is to add just for, not for the sake of adding, it's to add to where you think you can, you know, help the broadcast help to the best of its ability. Um, cause the reality of it is too, Steven and, and, and Darren, you could, you know, you could have a goal line play. You can have, you know, 67, 70 cameras. You can have a goal line play. There's bodies all over there, you know, and, and, and you potentially might not, you hope that doesn't happen, but a lot of times it's where the play happens in relation to the cameras, but you just have to be prepared. So I think in a Super Bowl year, it's a buildup um, uh, to, to those specific, specific cameras and, and what we do. And we have what some 4K cameras, some 8K cameras that, are, that, that can blow the, the picture up and the video up, whether it's somebody's feet in, inbounds or out of bounds, whether it's a fumble, uh, whether it's a tip ball, whether it's you know, somebody tipped at the line. So those are things we're just always thinking about and how can we enhance, you know, enhance the broadcast? Well, so we, we do this okay. as a sports media. I'm going to take this last one for me, Darian, for a little bit. That's fine. That's fine. We, we started this as kind of a sports media broadcast, right? And our first conversation back in the football season, college football season, was about a pylon camera with Penn State and the lack of a pylon camera. I'm curious, is there a camera angle that you really like and find most useful? And I, I appreciate the bodies might be in the way somewhere. But is this there, is my question. A, is there a spot on the broadcast that you really like? Well, I, I think I like a lot of the I like a lot of the different different cameras. A couple of things. Um, what we do, and I, I'll perfectly honest with you, at Fox, we stress high speed cameras. So we stress the cameras, the, the real slow mo, the, the cameras that can you know replays are real slow mo. Whether they're six times, whether they're three times, whether they're eighteen, excuse me, eight times. And I think those reaction type shots, I think those slow mo pictures, those you know, where guys can really work the lenses. Um, those are the money shots. Those are the real reaction type shots that, that I, I stress to our guys all the time um, that we can ne never have enough of. And I think, you know, and, and hopefully that's somewhat of a signature of us is we, we push those reaction type shots, so whether it's on the field, whether it's sideline type shots. Um, and we have great, you know, like I, I said earlier, it's an incredible team. We have, you know, the, our crew is, is really the best in the business and they're so good at what they do that they can capture those shots because especially too in football, you know, the obvious is guys are wearing helmets. So it's a little harder to get into the faces of the players. And to do that, you need those, those lenses, you need those super mo, those high speed type cameras and we've enhanced those. And I think that's been a big difference uh, in our coverage. Um, and then the other, you know, I think the pylons are good. You know, they obviously, again, we, we have the yard to gain, which is what's called like a chain camera that we've been using that you see some of the, a, you know, the, the A teams use, um, you know, we're able to have some down the sideline cameras and those are just anything to cover. But these 4k cameras are so good now because you can take a picture and you can zoom it in. And you can almost have, you know, say the line of scrimmage and say a play happens off the ball. Maybe it's a penalty that's, oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. Where's the ball? You know, you know who's that number on? It's off the ball. We got to make sure we have it because you want to have every look. And um, 
And this 4K camera can, can actually, you know, the, the, the EBS can blow it up to, uh, to pretty tight and the clarity and the speed is really good. So that, that off the ball type play is always, you know, is important. And, and that's helped uh, the 4K and, and even the 8Ks helped out tremendously. All right, Rich, I've got one more serious question and then a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with a serious question. And this one actually comes from Steve. And I think this is a good question. Uh-oh. How do you watch a Super Bowl, and do you watch it differently than, than us? Are you sitting there with your chips and dip and beer and, or are you tuned into the X's and O's if you will? Well, in the past, when we haven't had the Super Bowl, you know, first I do try to watch it as a fan. I mean, and I, I do actually record the game and I, I potentially the games that we're not doing obviously, but it, it, when we've had in the past, now obviously we're not doing it this year. It's just going to be my wife and I watching the game. But in a non-pandemic year, my wife would want to have a you know some people over. We'd end up having a and it just drove me crazy because people are yelling, screaming, and I'm trying to watch the game. I'm trying to listen to the announcers. It's like what are we doing here? You know, and you know they're all yelling and screaming, and so it, it drove me crazy. So that's why, to be honest with you, I would I would again a, a game that obviously we're not doing that the other network's doing uh-huh. i'd record it maybe watch it back again on a monday or tuesday because i know but sure i'll watch the game and you know as a fan you know i you get nervous for these guys you know you want these guys you want whoever's doing the game you want to do well really do um you know and i felt bad and i remember i remember we had a party the the game in new orleans when the lights went out and the Baltimore San Francisco game, people are looking at me like I have, I'm at, I'm at home, like I have something to do with it. Like, what's going on? And it was, you know, CBS was just caught in a tough position, you know, but here we are. They're all, I, I got like, you know, 80 people yelling at me, like, what the heck did I, you know, what did I do? So it's kind of funny. But yeah, I'll, I'll watch it, you know, I'll watch it as a fan. And sure, it's natural for me to watch it as like, as a director, just to, to just to see, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing. All right. Dude, I lied. I got one question. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead. You can keep going. No, no worries. You mentioned, you mentioned the A team, right? And the, the A teams and then the tools they have. Do you, maybe it's two part. Do you feel spoiled and or bad for the directors who don't have those tools? And can a director overcome those? How does a director overcome not having some of those tools to make a good broadcast? That's actually, that's a great question. Um, what you have to do is you have to go through different scenarios and you have to go through, how can I cover the game the best way with the equipment that I have? Like one thing, Steve, like, and you're right, we have additional equipment. So I'm able to have certain camera guys go really tight on shots while other guys are going to make sure they show the feet, whether inbounds or out of bounds. So it, it allows us to have those tight cameras because I can let them really what I say, as I say, work their lens while other cameras might have to play it a little wider. So I think, listen, I did, I did games with, you know, 10 cameras when I was starting out nine cameras. I, I, I did games with five cameras over in NFL Europe uh, when I started out. And what it does is, is with less, it makes you think a little bit more as to how, you know, you like I said, we, directors come up with a plan a certain plan based on the equipment, based on the game, based on the teams, based on how the teams play, how can I utilize those cameras the most effectively? So in some ways with less equipment, it's harder. Okay. It's, it's, it's harder. Um, 
in a sense, because you want to have everything covered. Um, but it also, as even when I started out, you have to really think about those scenarios and think about the best way to utilize those. And I think every NFL game has 10 cameras, you know, nine or 10 cameras minimum, even the lower games. So you just have to think about how can I maximize our coverage based on the equipment that we have. Okay, cool. Thanks. I'm, I'm done now, Darren. All right. We ask our guest, we always ask our guests these roughly four questions um, to, to, to wrap things up. So our first question is, what is your favorite creamery ice cream flavor? I would say the, uh, the twirl, the vanilla chocolate. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're, you are back in state college for one night and one night only. What bar are you going to? I'm probably going to the den. I don't even know if that exists. It anymore. still exists. Yeah. No, okay. It, it still exists. Okay. Cool. 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 Okay. Uh, this one, I don't know if you've experienced them both since you work during this time of year, but a Beaver Stadium whiteout or a Super Bowl? I got it. You know, to work or to go to? Uh, to go to. Well, yeah, to go to. Well, considering I've been to, well, I've been to both. Uh, I would say both. It's both. a toss up. Okay. okay. All right. That's really, I'm really judicious there, huh? Really? That was, yeah, that was yeah, very, very partial. You can do that. When you're like, well, you're on the A team and the A list guest, you can just pick the same answer. What the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And what was your go to staple in the dining commons back in the day? Like, like I think Steve liked Chicken Cosmos and some people like West Cookies. What was your go to when you were on campus? My go-to, like sweet, like food, any like like what what like what was getting you to to the commons in South or in in East? Like, I think like, the go-to place that we went to was Roy's, Roy Steve. Rogers. Okay, I, I don't, I don't. Where yeah, was that was at? Way back when. Roy Rogers yeah. was downtown. Well, where, downtown I think it was, was downtown back then. I just remember going to Roy's. I said, let's go to Roy's and just whatever that whatever the food is there. There might have been, but I was always a big cream. It was always creamery. Um, that was always our, yeah, I'm trying to think of, at the, on the lacrosse team, we didn't really go anywhere specifically. I mean, well, maybe the den. <laughs> maybe the den. <laughs> yeah. Those were good. All right, Rich, anything else you want to add, want to say? Nothing? No, this is great. No, cool. I, I, I enjoyed this. All right. Well, thank no, you. We no. enjoyed this. Definitely. Thank you for, for hopping on and go enjoy the Super Bowl. Relax. Drink a beer. this weekend. I will. I will have a beer. No question about it. I will have maybe multiple beers. <laughs> I'll have I'm going to have a release valve, which was the drink oh, at wow. the tavern. OK, I have Not no clue at, what at, that the, is. at the train yard train station. It was the train station. It was a train station, a train yard. And we had release valves. And I when I was at State College over the summer for a couple of summers and those those release valves were awesome. So I'm going to try to maybe relive that. And maybe I'll have a few release valves on Sunday for the Super Bowl. There you go. Very cool. Thanks for joining us, Rich. All right. Thank you. Thanks. You got it. Anytime. All right. Thank you, Rich. So my biggest takeaway is you guys are, you guys know, like, what's the train yard? Where was that? The train station. The train station. Was okay. downtown. Um, it was before my time slightly. Crowbar. So think crowbar area. There was was the train station. Is that the, that's the one like uh, Burger King maybe for you? Uh, no. McClanahan's. McClanahan's. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. McCl like 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 to the left of McClanahan's. Yes, that area down there. Yep. So when okay. I when we first and when we first came back to State College from Pittsburgh, I was working at the CDT. 
on a Saturday night. Penn State played Michigan. Deadline was early. I got done. I went and parked my car downtown to meet our friends at Crowbar because everybody said, go to Crowbar. I had never been to Crowbar before. So um, I parked downtown, and I thought it was the brewery. So I walked to what I thought was Crowbar, and it was the brewery. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is not Crowbar. <laughs> and and it, as, as fate would have it, I walked down the street, and there was a cop, a state college policeman, rousting a guy who was sleeping in his car at like 12 o'clock, fell asleep early, drinking, whatever. Oh, I said, God. excuse me, officer, I know you're busy, but could you tell me where the Crowbar is? <laughs> And he said, when did you graduate from Penn State? And I told him, he said, it used to be Burger King. I said, or it's Burger King. It used to be where Burger King is. I said, thank you very much. And that's where I went down College Avenue by McClanahan's, which iterations before that was the train station. Okay. Well, look at that. You learned something new. Anyways. Sorry. On to the more pressing topics. I, I thought that was interesting. I thought I learned a lot of things there. I didn't really know what a game director was until you texted me about Rich. I never really thought that somebody actually had to do that. I never... Also never really dawned on me that like you know that was a position i just kind of thought it was a tv producer one guy or, or or gal just just doing it so i found a couple things interesting i thought it was interesting about how he they build up to the super bowl with with the equipment which is something i never thought about until he said it but you do notice that in the broadcast you know like last weekend the the 8k cameras were in use a lot during the the championship games and there were a couple other little odds and ends that you see and i thought that was that was an interesting point yeah i think that that part of getting up to the broadcast and getting ready for the super bowl because you go from 10 cameras during the regular season to there's going to be you know 40 some options 50 some options if not more on sunday so it, it's great to hear how he thinks through that process i think the other thing that was interesting too is it's you know, kind of weirdly profound is like once the ball's kicked it's a football game like it, you know, I know that's such a cliche for coaches and and athletes that play in, play in big time games, but really, that's it's neat to think about that. That's how journalists think about it. And I guess, you know, going back to my days at the Collegiate, covering massively huge Penn State men's hockey games and men's <laughs> volleyball games, um, you know, that's I tr tried to treat. You know, once I was covering those games, you know, I knew what was what the the sub story was, but that's the focus, like. The game is the game, and and that's how you should treat it. Yeah, no, I think it's a mentality. Even when you get to that top level, you've got to stay focused on what, what your job is and not get, you know, shut out the noise, right? Ignore the noise and, and do your job, and I, I think they, they do a good job of that. And he mentioned, he talked at the end about um, signature shots and slow-mo and different, and you can see a difference. You can see a difference in personalities of broadcasters and networks by that kind of stuff. And when he said that to me the first time a couple years ago and I talked to him and I started watching, I just you could see more in-the-face kind of shots, close shots from Fox that were his games that you might not get from you know CBS's lead game or NBC's lead game because the director brings their personality and experience to the show. Yeah, I think even this year, I feel like this year especially I noticed, and I don't know if it was necessarily his games, but just in general with Fox, they were using their steady cam a lot more and they were getting very close to like those those guys you know they were getting very interface and i think some of that just had to do with the p pandemic and really just trying to get people in the seats or you know get people they, the feeling of they were in the seats even if they weren't in the seats at the stadium um but yeah i i'd never heard of the train station before so you learn something new every day there you go all right are you ready for some prop bets yes sir okay all right i don't know what we're wagering but I just found these on the internet doing some basic internet searching. Um, 
I don't know if you can actually bet on these for people that want to bet on these. Some of them you can, but um, I, I'm going to keep track. I think we should keep track, and maybe one of us can give each other a pat on the back or something. There you once go. This, once this is all over. They, okay. sell al- they sell alcohol in Frederick, right? Like we could, That's we'll true. Be okay. That's we'll be true. Right. Okay. Jim Nance's tie color, and the, the odds-on favorite was blue. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I would go with blue of those. I've seen blue, bled, blue, bled, blue, black, red, or purple, or the field. I think I would take blue. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go black. No, I'm not going to go black. I'm going to go with the field. And here's why it's in Miami. So it's warm. And you want to wear pastel colors. There you go. That makes sense. All right. This one was one of my favorite ones that I found. Um, the over-under on Tony Romo saying, <laughs> let me tell you, Jim. And it's the over-under is set at two, which is... Seems ridiculously low, doesn't it? That's what I thought, too. So <laughs> we'll both take the over there. Because I just thought he... I mean, he says that like every other play. Like, it really does, doesn't he? All right. The this one's interesting. The mm-hmm. over under on the number of plays Tony Romo correctly predicts in advance, and it's two and a half. And at first, I was like, "That's kind of low," but it's hard to do. Like, even if like you know so much about football, that's why like coaches get burned. Like, <laughs> that's why Dabo, you know, gets burned by Nick Saban all the time. Um, over or under? I think. I think there's a lot of plays. He's backed off of doing that this year, though. I still think it's over. He's only got like, three calls in four quarter, four quarters. I don't know. But maybe he's backed off of enough of it that he won't do as many. That's the that's the only. Hmm. You know, he's that's just a very good point. I didn't think about that. He only thing I feel like he tends to do it. I wish I could see into the future and know if this game was going to be close. Because I feel like he tends to do it more often when the game's very close. Like, if it's like a – and they're, they're driving. Like, he's like, okay, Jim, here's what they got to do all the time on a, on a quick drive. So you're going to take the over, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay. I'm going to take the under just to be – and that's not me being different. I just I – right, But it's, it's, it's a wise play. I mean, come on. We're kind of on the same smart thing. So, you know, hey. Okay. Over, under on the time of the game when Giselle is referenced. A, in the the over under is set at the end of the first quarter. It'll be after that, so I don't know if that's over or under. Over. Okay, right? what quarter do you think she's mentioned it? Third quarter. Okay, I I'm gonna write that down. I think it's gonna be the fourth, and I only think that if they're winning. I don't think she's mentioned it. At right. All. Right. That's fair. Yep. I I don't think she's. Okay, the next ones are relatively game related. So, um, the first offensive play. Do you think it will be a run or a pass? It'll be a run. I think it will be a pass. Look at that. See? Somebody's See? getting something to drink out of this. All right. Total number of punts. I included this because we are big, or at least I am a big kicking person. I think kicking in special teams the most important part of the game. This is Six both and teams, a half. This is both teams. It's over. Right? <sighs> I mean, I don't know what you're going to say, but I think both teams, it's over. Somebody's going to make some stops. Somebody's going to do whatever. And I guess if somebody throws some picks, it might not matter. I kind of think under. I think, like, 
I just don't think I, I think we're gonna get like if I don't know what the over is for the game, but I think it's it's gonna get crushed. So I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under. Okay. This one was interesting. What is the longest penalty that will be accepted? And the over under on that is nineteen and a half. I'm gonna say over as well, right? It's one long pass play. Yeah, I would, I would also the take end, the over. It, yeah, I mean, but it's it's probably Mahomes and not Britt. I don't know. It's one long pass play. There's going to be one of them, right? Yeah, there's going to be like some stupid pass interference. It's like right. 45 yards. Yeah. Has to be, yeah. All right, does Pat Mahomes throw an interception? No. No? Okay. All right. I don't know, Steve. No, no, you're I'm playing home team in all these picks. You better get them right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. Um, Keller or the Gatorade? What color? Traditional orange. I'm gonna go with red, and here's why: because I think the Chiefs are going to win, and I think it. That's that's why. There you go. Do you? What what is your what's your go-to Gatorade flavor? Probably the red stuff. Really? I don't know. I mean, it's been so long. It's been a while, right? Like, I'm not... I oh, you, you don't drink Gatorade? Like, I'm just not not as much as I used to. So probably, well, the orange is the traditional one. So probably the orange or the red. I, the clear stuff, the, the I just, those weren't really up my alley. The girls did those for basketball and soccer, and I had them. Yeah. But back in the day, we only had the one color. We had Gator gum, too. I mean, come on. <laughs> what, what? I don't know. Oh, you don't even... Wait, I'll give you Gator gum. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll Google that one. I So for me, it's it's either lemon-lime or the purple G2, because I'm a millennial. There you go. I grew up on that. Okay, all right. I'm excited for this this week's Old Guy, Young Guy. I am one of the... I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I love the Super Bowl. I love cooking for the Super Bowl. I love everything about the Super Bowl, pretty much, except for when my team loses, which has only happened technically twice in my lifetime, but only once that I remember. Um, but the thing I love the most is the halftime show. Like, I, I, I think that is just still the best part of the game. Like, that is that and the commercials are truly why I turn in, and there just happens to be a football game around right. all of that. So, this weekend, the weekend, see what I did there, is performing. First off, do you know who the weekend is? I knew this question was going to come up. So, I asked my wife if I knew the weekend. And she assured me I knew one of their songs, probably. Oh, so cut out there. Hold on. Hold on. Where, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. Yes. There we go. There we go. So I knew this question was going to come up. So I asked my wife if I knew The weekend, And she assured me that I probably knew one of their songs. So, and they were on Saturday Night Live like two weeks ago. I know that. So, see, this is, this is why we need to add a video component to our podcast, because poor Darian is going to die there, because I don't really know who The weekend is. Okay, so for the first, the first problem is, you're saying, like, it's, it's uh, there, as in, as in it's a plural group <laughs> no, of things. It's like the Sky Dome. It's like the Sky Dome in my world. Okay. It's, it's one dude. It's one dude. <laughs> well, then, That's then, it. Does he play all the instruments? No, he just sings. Who There's provides like the a, backup music? I don't like a computer. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so you're saying the move in and move out for the halftime show should be easy because they don't have to wheel in the, the drums I, and the guitars I don't and everything anticipate, else. I mean, I'm sure that they're going to have that type of instruments there, but 
I'm just shocked that you don't know. <laughs> okay, have you not seen Uncut Gems? No, I have not. And I saw it was on Netflix, and we should have probably should have watched it. And we didn't go to movie theaters here, so no, I have not. Okay, because he's in it and like plays like he plays himself. Okay. Um. I can't believe I can't believe this, it, but he's an essential part part of the plot. But I'm just I'm I'm shook that you don't even really know who the weekend is. Um, I know I know they I know he slash they exist. I know they're a musical. <laughs> well, I guess it's a no. Music, it's it's musician. a person. It's, it's a dude. A it's, it's one guy. Band. It's not even. It's not. A, no, there is no <laughs> musical group. It's the weekend. That's why it's. See the a couple weekend. a couple weeks ago we were working on tool cross promotions by meeting them. We are not doing any kind of cross promotion with the weekend now. If he hears this, it's over. Oh my god. Okay. All right. So. Let's let's just forget that part, because I, I'm the, I there were there were some prop bets that I found related to the weekend and whether or not other people would show up. But now I'm like, does he, Steve even know who half these people? Do you you've never heard like any of his songs? Like, I'm sure I have. Like the dun 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 dun. dun. It's on the radio every like. But remember now, see this is this is one of the things that's a problem. I don't have to listen to the radio you listen to, right? I can listen to Sirius. It's, but or it's, whatever it's, else it's on be. the it's on every commercial. It's like like on like six car commercials. Well, then I've definitely heard it. Okay, all right. But I don't know who all the right. guest artists are that are going to come on stage and help them round it up. And if it's only just him, they're going to need a lot. Wow. Like typically, wow. it's it's like we are the world out there when when it's a halftime show. They tell you it's one person and two people, and it ends up being like six plus a marching band from some college. So, <laughs> okay. we'll see. So all right. So that brings me to my next question. What do you think the best Super Bowl halftime show has been of all time? And Ooh. you wrote down here, what was the last halftime show you were excited for? So you, the best, what was your best? Actually, you know, what was the last one you were excited for? Let's do that one first. I, I'm, I'm going to pick this one and you're not going to like it because it's old, but I'm going to give you the context and it's going to work. Okay. Um, I think it was Springsteen. Was it Springsteen? Right. Because he was halftime of the Steelers oh, game yeah, that's, that I was that... covering. Right. So that was easy. Oh, uh, okay. Right? right. So in the stadium for that. That Have was you pretty ever, good. Had you ever seen Bruce before? I no, we saw him afterward at the Jordan Center. I think it was after that because I was I'm a big Bon Jovi fan, right? So like okay. he was my New Jersey guy, and we went to see Springsteen here, and I was we got good tickets late, and I'm looking at my wife the whole time. I'm like, okay, your Jersey guy is much better than my Jersey guy. I'm done now. <laughs> like I'll stop bitching about whatever. Okay. Um, and I don't know about. I think the, I'll pick this for the greatest because it's had the greatest cultural impact, right? Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Just because, because of sports media and what it, what it did and everything else. I, I don't know that that was the greatest performance in any way, shape, or form. But it was certainly the most important in terms of, them, in terms of what halftime shows are and aren't. Um, and how they've, influenced, how they've influenced what we do in TV and media. All right. The last Super Bowl halftime show that I was excited for... Man, it's been a while. I will say, like that, that Super Bowl halftime of, of with Bruce, obviously because the Steelers played in that, and also because I had an abscessed abscessed tooth that day and my jaw was swollen and I was yelling during the Super Bowl with a swollen jaw. I I won't forget that. But I don't know what the what the last the Beyonce the 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 Beyonce one that she did by by herself like that the one that was just her and not yep. the one with like Coldplay and Bruno yep. that was the one that I think I was the last excited for because I think Beyonce is incredible but I'm 
desperately or I'm I'm shockingly stunned at your answer that the best Super Bowl halftime show because I go back every year and I watch a a bunch of them is 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 simply this it's the Prince one I I can't believe that yes yeah, that's fair yep I, like I, that I, to me that like is who Prince was in that he just was like I'm gonna get up here there's gonna be two people dancing and I'm gonna play this guitar and you're going to enjoy 15 minutes of me playing this guitar right. and, and, and I'm going to kick ass. Yep, and I was just going to say, you know, give me one where it's just somebody, right? Um, and, I, and I, so, yeah, because I think when they say it's going to be this person and you're waiting for who the, the next people are that are going to pop out of the cake or slide down the slide or jump in, whatever, give me somebody who can carry the show. Now, that's a small group, but he was certainly mm-hmm. one of the one, right? Or one of the ones. So, yeah, I can be talked to. For me, the Jan, Janet Jackson Timberlake was safe because I knew you were going to tell me that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. But I could frame that around the media and what Super Bowl halftimes are and aren't. Fun fact about that Super Bowl: we watched that Super Bowl at my mom's friend's house, and we left at halftime. And <laughs> poor eight-year-old Darian missed out on that opportunity. <laughs> um, what do you think the worst Super Bowl halftime show is? And I have an answer to this, and I don't, I don't really remember it very well, but I, I have it. I have an answer. I don't have an answer. Like I, I was just trying to be relevant, so go ahead. Tell me what's, okay. what's bad. My answer is the Blues Brothers 2000 Super Bowl. Oh, yes. Yeah. Fine. Where, where they did that. Uh, it was like, it was after Belushi died, and it was like, it was very awkward. It was like John Goodman, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was, that one, that one takes the cake for me. Yeah, because it's just, I mean, it's, it's a horrible challenge, right? Because it's become such a big thing that more people will watch the halftime show in the game. And you're trying to find a, a performer who can carry it and, and something to do with it. And, and there are just not many people that can, you know? Yeah. Um, no, my big, one of my biggest fandom regrets, right, was, was when Bon Jovi was hot. Like, I felt like they were big enough to do it. But they, it was, I think it was after Janet Jackson, they took a heat, and then it was too late for them. And they did, like, a post-game concert one year, which was just doesn't happen anymore like but there was this post game on field after the presentation that they did something which was just like a silly idea that's weird yeah um what was i gonna say oh the and my last question on the on this and then we're done for the today is there one artist and you can't say bon jovi because you already kind of said them is there one artist or group you want to see do a super bowl halftime show No, there's nothing. There's nothing in in the demographic that's going to work. Like, do I think? And he, well, he did the national anthem in what '84. Like, I think Garth Brooks could carry the place, right? But the demographics have changed. Like, the people in the building aren't going to be the right. Know dem- who Garth Brooks exactly. Is. It yeah, won't be like, the right. I do, but like, I don't yeah. know who's big enough in that space to to carry the places because I don't know who they think their demographic is either. Like, I don't have a sense. I really don't know. Who the te- how much that age number drops. It has to drop. Like the age of watching halftime has to drop from the age of people watching the first and second quarters and the third and fourth quarters. Well, that's interesting. I would I think. I would have thought about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do know a lot of people my age that will literally only tune in for the halftime show. Like that's, like they will, they will like look on Twitter, oh, that it's at half, I'm going to turn watch the, the halftime show. Right, so it needs to be somebody younger than, than where I'm at and I, I don't know who that is. Okay. So, is there somebody that's in that group? I, the, and I just read an article about them today, and it, it actually brought them up. It was a it was in the New York Times, the Foo Fighters. That is mm-hmm. the that is the one group that I think has de- deserved it. I don't know if they'll, as you said, kind of reach that popularity that they were at, you know, in the mid two thousands when the, like they were doing all the rock concert right. ones. But I, that would be the one 
that I think I, I would want to see. There's nobody... And, like, like, I think the other person that I would want to see do it, but I don't... Just from the standpoint of, like, the logistics of it and the presentation of it would be Taylor Swift because apparently she puts on like incredibly like masterful concerts with like big props and things like that but then again you only got 18 minutes you can't really do that you wouldn't you know as easy as she'd be interesting to see like I mean again that that seems young enough for me to skew and people would get it and she hasn't done it yet so that that would be interesting well apparently and I don't know how true this is but there's a reason why she hasn't done it and it's because she is a like you know how some schools are like a coke school and a pepsi school she is a coke artist Performer. and it's and it's a pepsi it's a pepsi show or was yeah. a pepsi show yep i think it, it is still is. Yep. It still is good point well that's the thing and we didn't get to it the advertisers who are bailing this year right it'll be interesting to yeah. see if that makes any and, and i thought i saw that budweiser was out but they like anheuser-busch isn't out just budweiser's out but light's yeah. still going to be there their seltzers are still going to be there It'd be more hefty to me, more impressive to me if you said we're stepping away totally. And there are a couple doing that, but it wasn't like Bud was the big one that got the promotion for not being there, but they're still there with some of their other brands. Much like I am at Christmas, I'm interested, or I was at Christmas, I'm interested to see how brands play it this year. Like, because it, it, it's, it's hard. It's not easy to do. Like, in some places are doing it really well, and some places aren't. So, and the quality I mean, of the commercial, like, what if people can't be, it's like filming a sitcom, right? Like or filming a show, like how did they shoot it? How, what you know? How did they quarantine people to get them done? That kind of stuff. I'm sure that Kevin Hart will show up, and I'm sure the other <laughs> DJ Khaled. Do you think DJ Khaled will? If DJ Khaled came on the camera, would you know who he is? Yes. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. I bet you know. I wonder if he shows up for the halftime show. Cause wait, it's not in Miami this year. Where is it this year? It's in Tampa. Tampa duh. Duh. Uh. Yeah, I think you could see him showing up there we'll see like it, I mean that's what makes it fun right I mean I don't like all the drop-ins but there'll be some interesting stuff that happens just because people are investing millions of dollars for, for 30 seconds to make an impression so they want to make it big man alright well this was a super show as I said um what are you, are you just relaxing for the game you just Got yeah I think we're just gonna I, I'm kind of like Rich like I it's nice to have people around but I would rather just people leave me the heck alone and watch the game mm-hmm. so I'll probably be wondering how Tony Romo's got this gig that's paying him seven million dollars when he's saying some obvious stuff during the game mm-hmm. um, but I'll be excited to watch and uh, we'll just be chilling at home with the dog and the cat and that's it so should be fun yeah I don't I don't know what I'm cooking yet I gotta figure that out depends yeah, on what the weather is because that that limits it or or, or gives me the access to the grill. And right. If it's doing what it's doing, I'm not doing that today or on Sunday. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening this week. Um, subscribe to us. Like us on Facebook. Um, give us five stars. Um, and my Twitter handle is at Stuff Summer Says. Your Twitter handle is? At Steve Sampson. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>